Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to once again come to you on this uh, Tuesday, April the 28th. We are delighted to to come to you through these podcasts. We want to welcome you uh, wherever you are tuning us uh, from, whatever part of our nation that you find yourself or part of the world. We're so grateful that you are connecting with us today. And uh, it's always a privilege, and we always consider it an honor, and our prayer uh, to bring these podcasts. And our prayer is that um, through these podcasts, uh, the people of God, or those that are listening, will be challenged, that you would hear what the Lord is saying, and, and that you would be challenged to search these things, and, and, to, and to be able to see what God is saying. We are grateful. We hear the testimonies, we get the comments from our listeners of the things that God is doing in their lives, and we give God all the glory for that. And it's always a pleasure to to be here with the panel, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty. Um, there's so much that we have grown uh, so much through these podcasts. You know, we, we feel a, an attachment to our listeners, even though we probably don't know most of you, but we feel that spiritual connection. And we feel your faith, and we thank you for the support that you give us. But it is a pleasure always to come before you, come before the people of God, and before our God to minister his word. So, Brother Marty, uh, I'm excited. Uh, we started this Monday again with our Bible study in the book of Revelation. And just the things that God has been showing us, Brother Marty, has been amazing. Amazing yeah. how God is revealing his word. And so I'm excited about today. And I'm excited about what God is going to show us through his word. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it with you this moment. Well, praise God. If uh, if you were with us yesterday, we, we concluded the podcast uh, with uh, beginning to examine uh, the, the ten horns and the ten kings, which are referenced in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. And we're going to pick it up from there today. And I encourage you to go back and listen to yesterday's podcast and and uh for the foundation that was laid and and we have a lot i think quite possibly to cover today as the lord leads and allows and so we're going to get right into it and today we're going to be coming to you uh with part two of the mystery of the ten horns the mystery of the ten horns part two and we're going to be uh beginning in revelation chapter 17 so if you have your bibles i encourage you to get them and to follow along and many of the things I think that's, that we will hear today, uh, probably you might not have heard before. And if you have, I, I just pray that it, it, it either adds and strengthens to what you already know. But bottom line, we really desire that, that you know, the efforts of these podcasts are, first of all, to, to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone, and also to uh, encourage or motivate you, or at least you know, cause some sort of ambition within your heart to desire to seek uh, the Lord in his word, to study for yourself. And and that's really what this is all about, just as simple as that. And so if you have your Bibles, open them to the book of Revelation, chapter 17, the mystery of the ten horns, part two. <clears throat> and we're going to begin reading at, at Revelation 17, 7. Uh, and the angel said unto me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. That's Revelation 17, verse 7. 
And now we get into dropping down to verse 12. And John writes as the angel tells him, And the ten horns which you saw, they are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet. But they receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and their strength unto the beast. Verse 14, these shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords, the king of kings, and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful praise god yes so what we want to look yeah so what we want to look at today we started with verse 7 uh where uh, it, it, he talked about the mystery of the woman and this beast that's carrying her and then he mentions uh seven heads and 10 horns and and that of course comes from revelation 13:1 by the time we get to 17 he's explaining all the things that have been revealed to him in the 13th chapter uh, and in the 16th, uh, uh, the 15th and 16th chapter concerning uh, the great uh, woman, the great whore, as the Bible describes it, that sits on many waters. What's interesting is that what is revealed to him there is this mystery woman, which we'll talk about, Lord willing, in the coming days. But our focus is going to be today the beast and, uh, of course, the seven heads and ten horns. But we're we're zooming in and, and focusing in on the ten horns and, and what they are and who they are. And that's where we want to uh, to, to, to focus today. Now, remember when, when the book of Revelation was written, uh, it was given to the Apostle John. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. The intention and the whole of the book of Revelation is to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ as the supreme ruler and judge over all things. And so when you read the book of Revelation, remember that. And 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 also remember that what we're focusing on was written almost 2,000 years ago. And so what we're seeing is is a future being revealed to the Apostle John. And I want to focus in on verse 12, because the, that's what we're talking about, the mystery of the ten horns. <clears throat> Revelation 17, verse 12, it says uh, says of these ten horns that the ten horns which you saw are ten kings. They have received no kingdom of yet. That is as of the time of the writing of this, uh, because that was 2,000 years ago. Uh, but So he was speaking of a future kingdom. He says, uh, but they will receive power as kings for one hour with the beast. They have one mind, and they will give their power and their strength to the beast. Now, we need to note something there in verse in verse 12. Uh, what the Apostle John was told is that there will be an emerging of, of ten horns or ten kings, and, and, and that they have no kingdom as yet. So while at the writing that he was he was bringing these things out, it was yet for the future, and you need to go back and listen to the yesterday's podcast and even uh, the, the one before that because we laid a lot of groundwork here. So if you're just tuning in today, I think those those will be helpful. So we understand some, some things here about these ten horns. Uh, they have a kingdom that is coming, but at the moment they have no kingdom. And 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 also what's interesting is is what is being revealed is that they are going to emerge – 
or their power is going to begin to come forth and and it's connected the the appearance of these 10 horns or these uh, which become 10 kings their power uh coincides with the emergence of the antichrist if you look at verse 13 i mean verse 12 it says they have no power uh they have no kingdom as of yet but they receive power as kings for one hour with the beast so it's a short very brief time and and it's it's going to to coincide with the appearance of this beast or this this figure we've come to know as the antichrist and it's it's in it's in it's in it's important to understand that that the two have to come together at the same time because as we get into this today what we're going to see is who they are we believe and and what they are uh and 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 what their specific function is what we understand is that they were they're going to be given power and we know from from revelation chapter 13 would you turn over there brother jeremy um because it is revealed who gives them this power if you could read verse 2 for me would you 13 2 yes and the beast which i saw was like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority so we understand that this power that's going to be given to this beast which is really a system and then which which goes from being a system into having all the power of the system which is a global system it's all going to be invested into one single person. And we, we know him as the Antichrist. But what's integral, or what's, what's an important uh, integral part of, of the makeup of the Antichrist is going to be uh, the, the strength and the power that's also going to be added to him by these 10 horns, these 10 kings that emerge. Now, this is of note because uh, this is an unfolding system, and it's going to have, if you will, uh, coursing through its military, political, and spiritual veins, if you will, the collective strength and power of these 10 kings, these 10 horns. They're going to invest their authority, they're going to invest their power, and they're going to pour it in to the Antichrist they are an integral part to his rising and and that is why we see in in john chapter 13 verse 1 could you read that for us brother jeremy john 13 1. yes and i stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten <clears throat> crowns and upon his head the name of blasphemy Yes, and so what we learned from that and what we've discussed in the previous podcast, for those of you who are just joining us, uh, that the seven heads, uh, comparing Scripture with Scripture, that they represent the seven global empires that have emerged over the course of, of human history. And, and, and there are varying uh, opinions as to you know, which these seven heads are and, and, and which empires they represent. But I believe that, the, that they represent uh, going all the way back to Genesis 10 and 11 there where it describes the emerging 
of the first global empire, which uh, which was represented by Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. And then from from that point, we see the next emergence of a global empire, which was Egypt, uh, with the head uh, of Egypt being Pharaoh. Out of that came uh, the next succeeding global empire that began to rise was the, the Assyrian Empire. And then came the Babylonian Empire, followed by the Medo-Persian Empire, followed by the Greek Empire headed by Alexander the Great, and then gave way to the, to the seventh empire, <clears throat> or Daniel calls it the fourth beast, uh, and, and it, it is the Roman Empire. So these seven distinct attempts, if you will, of Satan at dominating the world began all the way back right after the flood. That was the emergence of the very first global empire when the world was as one, when a tower was built, and when they had one ruler, we call him Nimrod, and, and we will be looking at that, Lord willing, in the coming days, and why he plays a significant connective role to the antichrist that's going to rise in the not too distant future but that is the first empire and every succeeding empire totaling seven represent the seven-headed uh part of this beast and so what we're seeing is the rise of a seven-headed beast uh symbolically representing to us that that at the not too many distant days from now that what is going to happen is that this global system that's emerging even in our time is going to have within it not just one of the components of the previous ancient global empires but all seven of them coming together and functioning as one unit they will have every uh type of characteristic that all seven of them that had gone before tried to achieve uh, on their own, whether it was Babel or Egypt or Alexander the Great or the Roman Empire, all seven of them begin to arise and coalesce. They're all part of one being. Now, he sees seven heads. And you have to understand in the Bible that these are very symbolic terms. And, you know, if I had a Bible class and I had six months, I mean, we could go through all these individually and really dig into these things. But for the purposes of, of these podcasts, we just cover highlights and we hope that it encourages you to go on your own and study these things out. So the seven-headed beast has upon it other characteristics, which John saw, which is the first thing he draws our attention to, which Brother Jeremy read, is the ten horns. So understand, figuratively speaking, in the scripture, when God talks about heads, he's talking about, in symbolic terms, specific entities or or rulers, if you will. And Paul describes them as the rulers of the darkness of this world. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, which we've been talking about over the last several broadcasts, Paul revealed to us that we are in a warfare that has nothing to do with the natural world in the sense that what we wrestle against is not flesh and blood, Ephesians 6.12, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. So when you see these seven heads emerging from Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, you're literally seeing the global empires that emerged 
but each every each and every one of those heads had assigned to it an angelic power a dark angelic power that infused what was actually taking place in the earth with its satanic authority and so each and every one of these from babel all the way to rome had a particular spirit or prince if you will that empowered it to to bring about uh its global empire only to fail what's interesting is that john is having revealed to him by the lord in revelation the strategy of the enemy because as we covered before in revelation chapter 12 we're given all that symbolic language that that revealed to us there that when jesus ascended into heaven and and received his kingdom and was seated at the right hand of the father that he began to dispatch michael and the angels which you can find in revelation 12 7 to begin a systematic removal of these these wicked entities from all the principalities and domains and jurisdiction throughout the visible and invisible creation of Almighty God. There was a war in heaven, and the systematic removal of the authority or the or the rebellious exercise of that this authority had been stripped from their leader, the devil himself, by the Lord Jesus Christ when he resurrected from the dead. And then when he goes into heaven and sits at the Father's right hand, he then dispatches Michael and his host, his warriors, his angels, Revelation 12:7, and they begin this battle that begins to kick them out of every dimension that is culminating with the devil himself being cast down to earth and being confined to a short space of time at the end of days. We believe that we are quite possibly at that point now. And it is why we are beginning to see such a rise and have over the last several years, really, several decades, an incredible rise of violence and, 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 and perversions and the occult and all the, the crazy things that we see taking place around the world. So in his attempts over the span of history, going all the way back to uh, the Tower of Battle, we see there that each and every attempt uh, had a specific entity or a head that drove it. Those of you that are familiar with scripture, I'll give you an example, and we covered this before. In Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel had received a vision and began to seek the Lord over that vision and ask for uh, the grace of God to interpret the vision he saw, he set himself to pray, and it took 21 days before he received an answer to his prayer. That's in Daniel chapter 10. You can look it up. And what we are told there is that the angel Gabriel comes to Daniel and reveals to him that he had attempted to come through into the earth realm, if you will, to the planet to bring an answer to Daniel's prayer. But there what's revealed is that he was resisted by what the angel called the prince of Persia. We know that the Persian Empire succeeded the Babylonian Empire. So the prince of Persia is the delegated ruling authority of a global empire. And, and that is who he had to fight against, that is the angel Gabriel, in order to get through to Daniel. So intense was this battle that we are told by the angel Gabriel that Michael, the archangel, had to come and assist him in the battle in order to create an opening by which Gabriel could come into the earth and reveal to Daniel 
the interpretation of the prophetic vision that Daniel had received while he was being held captive in uh, in the Babylonian Empire, which uh, which ultimately was defeated and gave way to that very prince that that Gabriel talked about. He also revealed that when he would go back, they were going to strip that prince of his power, the prince of Persia, and it would create an opening for the prince of Greece, the next global empire that was coming, uh, to come and take over territorial reign and give expression to that kingdom. So this is what we're laying forth here and what we're seeing in Revelation 13 uh, in these seven heads are seven distinct global empires that were headed or the heads of them uh, were headed by principalities and powers, specific angelic power, uh, specific entities and personalities that are incredibly, incredibly powerful and subjected to the devil himself. He's the one who delegates authority. And so when we read earlier that the 10 kings or the 10 horns that are coming in the not too distant future, that they receive power, that is delegated authority and power is going to be given to them by the one who yet rules the children of disobedience in these end times, that's the devil. So what's interesting by uh, what we have being revealed in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1 is that the seven heads begin to emerge as one collective force and that they are emerging out of the sea. And the sea that we're talking about there as the scripture interprets scripture represents all the nations of the world, the children of disobedience, if you will. It is as if what John was being showed 2000 years ago was that in the future, what was going to happen was that humanity was going to be changed into a collective, unified uh, 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 humanity. In other words, they were going to clamor or desire to have a global system uh, overtake the planet. Only the leader that they want to rule them will not be the Lord Jesus Christ, but the wicked one that is yet to come. We know him as the Antichrist. So when John sees this seven-headed beast, he's literally seeing the seven heads that influenced the seven global empires of human history. So what we're seeing then is the satanic plot or strategy, if you will, to make its last stand on the planet. Remember, brothers and sisters, like we've been teaching and like we believe the scripture is showing us, is that the final frontier, if you will, of the battle the final place of the contest finally being consummated and brought to an end is the planet Earth. It is the Lord's. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The heaven and the earth are the exclusive property of the Lord God Almighty and his blessed only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so yeah. when we enter these last days, what we're actually witnessing is the final frontier, if you will, the final act that's going to culminate in a final three and a half year period where the Lord Jesus himself will come at the end of it and put an end to this rebellion once and for all. The planet itself, the planet we live on, is the final battlefield. Now, the seven heads is a revelation of John uh, given to him by the Lord of the strategy of the enemy 
And so what's being revealed is that all seven of these principalities and powers are coalescing and unifying in these last days and giving expression or energizing the collective will of fallen humanity to desire uh, a return to a global empire. But what's different about the seven heads now is the introduction of these ten horns. And that's very, very significant and something that we need to look at. In order to properly understand it, we need to look at Scripture, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Who are these ten horns? Where do they first appear? Where are they first indicated? And in order to see that, I want you guys to turn over to Daniel chapter 7 real quick, if you would. Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to see that Daniel reveals to us uh, these very ten horns. Are you there? Yes. Brother Jeremy, could you read uh, uh, verse 7? Chapter 7, verse 7. Yes. It, it says, After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. There they are. The ten horns. <clears throat> so what we have, before you keep reading, what we have here is comparing scripture with scripture, we begin to see the pieces of the puzzle come together. John is seeing the same thing that Daniel saw. Daniel describes it as the fourth beast, and you need to go back and, and read chapter 7 to see uh, who they are and what they represent. But it's a coming together of this beast, and, and, and it's different than all the empires that have ever happened before it. Look what's being revealed here. He says it's dreadful and terrible. He says it's incredibly strong. It has iron teeth, which represents the Roman Empire. It devours and it breaks in pieces and stamps the residue with the feet of it. And it is different or diverse from all the empires that have come before it. And it has ten horns. This is what makes it different. Is, is that even though it is a compilation of all the other empires, there is an additional thing added to it in the end of time. And it's, it's necessary in order to bring forth this wicked one. Keep reading, Brother Jeremy. Re read about, start from, uh, it was different from all the beasts. Uh, and, and Brother Marty, Brother Marty, and he couldn't attribute to it uh, an animal like he did with the uh, three prior empires for uh, for a reason. Um, yeah. Because this particular beast, um, maybe Daniel did have understanding of it, or maybe he couldn't quite understand it. You could just come up with the words that it was dreadful and terrible. But John gives us a deeper explanation why it couldn't be identified as an animal, like like Babylon was, was uh, identified as a lion and, the Medo-Persians as a bear, the, uh, the Greeks as a leopard, because it, it, this last beast that has these ten horns is, is a composite. It's, it's made up of all past empires who have uh, tried to rule the world and oppress God's people in, in the process, right? 
so yeah. that that's why uh, Daniel uh, doesn't really identify this fourth beast with uh, an animal. He calls it a beast, but um, this is the reason why. It is a very complex beast, uh, and it, it's very difficult to really to decipher what exactly he's talking about. But uh, I believe if the Holy Spirit is revealing it to us in these last days. So I wanted to bring that out. Yes, and then, and so, and, and like you pointed out, in verse 7 there, Brother Jeremy, could you read uh, from there? It was diverse, right? Diverse, correct. Diverse. Yes. It was diver diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And verse 8 says what? I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. All right, so what we have being revealed here, remember what we started out in Revelation 17, speaking of the ten horns, the ten kings, in other words, uh, it says that they hadn't received a kingdom of yet, but it would be given to them in the future when John was writing about it. And then he talks about them as giving their power to to the Antichrist. And, that, and, and here we see Daniel revealing the very same thing. When he talks about this different global empire that's going to rise, if you read the preceding verses from this, he mentions the lion, he mentions the bear, he mentions the leopard of Revelation chapter 13, verse 2. But then he says it's going to have within it the iron teeth, which represents the Roman Empire. And so he, he, he calls this a makeup of four of the seven world empires, because we know the lion represents Babylon. We know the bear represents Medo-Persia. We know the leopard represents Alexander the, Greek, the Great, and you can see that in, in verses 4, 5, and 6 of Daniel, right where we're reading. And then they compile into the fourth beast. And the reason that he's identifying him as a fourth beast is so that we know the exact makeup of the kingdom of the end. John says in, in Revelation 13, 1, that it comes up as seven heads. So it has all of those heads, but it has imposed upon it ten horns. And that brings us to a logical question. And, and if you need to pause and go back and hear what we're saying, please do. Uh, because we're going quickly now, but we have to identify what it is uh, that, or which one of the world empires will then give expression, if you will, to the Antichrist. Because remember, the whole point of what we're looking at here is going to culminate with that wicked ruler. And, and we need yeah. to understand something. The attempt of the devil, if you will, to produce offspring, to produce his own son, if you will, has been made since the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom, the Tower of Babel, the very first one in Genesis chapter 10. And subsequently, every single kingdom after that, global that is, attempted the same thing. The influences of wicked principalities and powers have always tried to give uh, if you will, form or to take material form created in the image of God. And that's why whenever you see a major ruler over one of these empires, you are always being drawn to the attention of one king. It's either 
a Nimrod or it's it's the Pharaoh of the time of, of Moses or, or it's it's Nebuchadnezzar at the time of Babylon. It's Sennacherib of the time of the Assyrians. It's Cyrus and Darius of the Medes and the Persians. It's Alexander the Great of the Greek Empire. Or it's it's Nero or Domitian or, or Augustus, whatever Caesar you want to pick, uh, they've all attempted to become God-men. But there was components missing. And what John is revealing is that the satanic plot, now that all things are converging and being focused upon the planet, the energies necessary to bring forth the Antichrist must be proceeded with all the effort and authority of particular principalities and powers uh, being made manifest in the last days in order to give expression to this genetic mutant, if you will, we call the Antichrist, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So what we see here and what we're putting forth in this thesis is it is not by accident that we see the ten horns have to exist at the same time as the Antichrist. As a matter of fact, they are, they are satanic strategy to energize that wicked one that is coming. That's why, like Brother Jeremy was just reading at the end of verse 7, that the beast has ten horns, that is the system, the global system, which enslaves humanity, has ten horns. And, and then it says in verse 8, I considered the ten horns, and behold, there came up among them a little horn. So what's being revealed here is it is necessary. It's a chief component and strategy of the enemy that that energizes this fourth beast or the seven-headed beast, however you want to call it. It is necessary for them to be present in order to create the necessary dark energy, if you will, that causes the little horn to rise. That's why he goes on and says in verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. We don't have time to get into that. But behold, in this horn, now notice what begins to happen, what Daniel begins to see, that the horn itself begins to take shape. Listen, behold, in this little horn that comes up amongst the ten, there are now eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. So if you can see the, <clears throat> the, the formula of satanic strategy and the insight of the working of demonic power, if you will, that creates something from the spirit world and causes it to materialize, it's a process. And these ten horns are integral to that process. And that's why John sees them at the end on top of the heads, because it is the component that has never existed before that will manifest itself in the end. Now, Brother Jeremy, the angel gives Daniel, he gives Daniel the interpretation of what we're describing here. Would you read verse 19 of chapter 7? Yes. And brother, I just have a quick question. So yeah. the the enemy creates a system for to bring forth the Antichrist? Absolutely. And he's been attempting to do it forever. <laughs> he's going to be allowed to do it in these last days. 
and that's what we know and what we call the great tribulation as we'll go on in our studies lord willing in the coming days because we're going to turn our attention once we get through these 10 horns and 10 kings the 10 kings right uh, who infuse him with power what we're going to see is that once he becomes once he has the eyes and the mouth and becomes men or a man uh, we are then alerted by the lord that we now can start the clock we have 42 months of human history left and that's when the clock begins for what is what Jesus called in Matthew 24:15 in there I believe it is or what Jesus called great tribulation tribulation the, right. right the last 42 months of human history there's tribulation and then there's great tribulation the great yeah. tribulation is the last 42 months of history and that's when the antichrist takes over the world that's when the system if you will, the global system that we're talking about, which we're seeing right now in our time, the framework, the rumors, whether it's ID20 yeah. or, or the Rockefeller Foundation treaties on, on, uh, on 2030, the UN Agenda 21, all these conspiracy theories that they talk about, it's all out there, man. And what they're talking about, the framework of it is going to take shape in some form around this coalescing of a global ideology uh, that is driven by satanic powers that has its origin all the way back in the ancient past, beginning with Nimrod up until our day. But it's going to culminate with a final 42-month period upon the earth with the Antichrist himself at the head of it all. So we're going to see first the framework of the beast emerging. The system itself comes into being energized by these 10 horns, and we're going to identify them uh, in a minute, who they really are. Uh, but, but Daniel, when he saw that vision, he, 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 he asked the angel, what does this mean? And, and that's what we've been talking about. But the angel gives him specific information in verse 19. Would you read that, 719? Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse, diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. Now verse 20. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld in what? And the same horn made a war with the saints and prevailed against them. Until what? Until the Ancient of Days came. And the judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Now read verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from, diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall spread it down and break it in pieces. And verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue 
three kings. Okay, so there's a lot there, but what we're seeing now is an unfolding, and we'll get into these things in the coming days even deeper when we begin to focus on this Antichrist, this one that's coming. But but let's take a look again at verse 20, because this is what the angel's revealing to Daniel. He tells them, he tells him the ten horns in verse 20 that are in on in the head, and the other which came up be, uh, before whom three fell, even that horn that had eyes, and a mouth and spoke very great things whose look is more stout than his fellow this same horn is going to make war with the saints so he's having revealed to him notice again what my point is this is that the ten horns are always spoken of before the little horn rises up before the antichrist could come forward these ten horns have to be added to the systems that tried to take over the world individually over the course of human history. Now let's go back to Revelation 13, 1 again. Okay, so so what are they, right? I mean, that's what we're asking. We're going back to Revelation 13, 1. And, and, and what are they and who are they? And, and I think we're going to see that. In Revelation 13, 1, again, how are they presented? The key is they're presented as horns, right? Revelation 13, 1. The seven heads mm -hmm. we've already talked about represent several seven individual uh, heads. They represent principalities and powers that energize the attempt to bring humanity into a global system, beginning with Nimrod all the way up to the Roman Empire. These specific entities have tried to energize global systems among humanity, only to see them rise, John says, in the last time, coming together, all seven as one, but these seven heads are now going to have added to them an additional ten horns. Now, the key to understanding what ten horns, what that literally means, is found in the language, right? Uh, because the word horns literally comes from the Greek uh, kenas, K-E-N-A-S. And it, it simply means this. It, it, it means that they are the symbol of strength or authority. They, they, they represent rulership, if you will. A horn always represents strength or authority. Remember when we see Jesus in the book of Revelation chapter 5, John sees him as a lamb that has been resurrected, right? He was slain, but he's alive forevermore. What does he have on mm -hmm. his head? He has seven horns, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. and those, right, which represents, seven represents, the, the number seven represents rest and perfection. Uh, and we ain't got time to get into all that. But God finished his works on the seventh day and rested, right? It represents perfect rest, perfect perfection. And the seven horns that are on the lamb represent the perfect authority of the Father. So we have seven horns on the lamb, but this beast has ten horns. Now listen, ten really can also, besides representing completion, also represents uh, rebellion. And man, I wish we had a classroom mm. right now. Because, because remember, remember. <laughs> Everything that transpires on the earth seems to be a pattern of the reality of what takes place in the heavens. I'm just going to throw this out there for you really quick before we get into it. But remember how the children of Israel used to be one nation? And 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 remember how they how they built a temple, right? And they had their temple. Solomon builds this temple. After Solomon goes away and dies, uh Rehoboam, his son, takes over, and there is a split in the kingdom. Ten of those tribes went and became their own kingdom. 
and in many ways they represent a falling away, if you will, because they removed the capital center to Samaria, and there they erected another temple to a false god, and and so in essence they are ten represents rebellion, and so and yes. completion or complete rebellion. So when you see these ten horns, you're also if you compare scripture with scripture you are seeing what God is saying is that, is that now the seven-headed beast has added to it a complete fullness, a complete rebellion, and complete authority being added to, to, to all seven heads. They're coming together as one. These seven uh, global empires, these heads over these empires are going to rise again, and, and, and yet an additional power is going to be given to these entities represented by 10 horns and the horn represents symbol a symbol of strength and in Daniel 7:8 where he represents the 10 horns the hebrew word for for horn is the word uh, uh karen or k e h r e n karen with a little different twist on it and it begins to give us a little bit of a, a clue as to who these 10 horns are because the Hebrew word for horn that Daniel used is the word Karen, which also means strength, but it also is tied to to musical power. That's interesting. Mm. And 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 a particular instrument, which is the cornet, <laughs> which is interesting because, and we won't get into this today. I'm just going to throw this out there. But in Daniel chapter three. Uh, we are given an account of how King Nebuchadnezzar over the Babylonian Empire built a statue or an image, remember? And right. and he, he put that image up in the plains of, of, of Dura. And, and there he he required that, that all the people worship that image, which we won't get into, but it sounds very much like Revelation 13, right? And and what triggers the worship are are six different instruments and amongst those instruments is is the cornet. I just throw it out there because it is it is a it's almost like a little breadcrumb in the Hebrew that indicates and begins to move us in a direction as to who these ten are. Because remember what we read earlier was that power is going to be given to them, and we know that that power is going to be given to them by the dragon. That's what we read at the bottom of verse. Uh, two of Revelation 13, where it says that their power, their seat, and their authority is given to them by the dragon. So a, 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 a picture begins to emerge of these 10. Now, consider this as well in Revelation 13, 1. The seven heads, we've already talked about what they are and who they are and, and, and all that. Uh, but now John is revealing that in addition to to them, Ten horns emerge in this vision that he's seeing, and it's very symbolic, like we said. And it says that ten horns are upon the heads, and ten crowns are upon the heads. The word upon is very interesting because it is from the Greek word epi, E-P-I, epi. And what it means is to have something superimposed for a particular time. So in other words, what John is revealing is that when these collective global empires uh, uh, energized and, and, and charged by these seven heads that originally brought them into the earth, these, these wicked rulers, added to them now 
is going to be an imposition upon their power so that so that it's going to be almost like like a level within a level let me give you an example like if we went and had a war right and 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 we send in the ground troops and we send our best generals in there and we're fighting away and and uh and and we we <laughs> we we do well but we didn't actually accomplish everything and so what we decide to do rather than having the whole army there continually fighting we add to the army a super weapon like an atomic bomb or something which is what we did in world war ii right that's kind of yeah. the idea here is like the devil has sent his forces and has attempted throughout the history of mankind to bring about this final global dominance energized by satanic power and has failed and so what john is having revealed here is that 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 army is now going to collectively emerge in the end of time to dominate it's going to be different than all the armies that have come before it because it's going to be all of them combined and then the super weapon if you will is coming the ten horns are going to be imposed upon it to bring about something that has never been before it is that final expression of satanic rebellion which shall be put down by the lord so it's, it's almost super... like it's almost like the uh dream team of satan a compilation of Satan's ah, yeah. uh, <laughs> dream team of <laughs> the dream you team. know power of the darkness right right I'm no no that's my, a good I'm way to put my it. best out there yeah that's it I mean, this is like also, this is it. This is the big enchilada, right? I mean, this is the giant supersized burrito attempt, right? I mean, this is it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's kind exactly. of you're right. That's a but, good way to put it. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm, I wanted to comment too uh, what you said, uh, what you what you said concerning the meaning of the word uh, ten, right? Which means um, rebellion or complete rebellion. And when you said that, it quickly uh, it triggered to me that we see many examples. I just want to share one example in the Bible that talks about ten with rebellion. We see that from Adam to Noah, there are ten generations. Adam uh, said, Enosh, Kenan, Mahaliel, Jared. He had Enoch. Enoch had Methuselah. Methuselah had Lamech. Lamech had Noah. Ten generations. And that the completion in the days of Noah, there is such a rebellion, I mean, to the top, where every thought and imagination was to do evil. So I just wanted to bring up that example, how the 10 is a symbol of rebellion. No, that's ex that's excellent because as the Lord revealed to us, right, he said the, the final time would be as the days of Noah. And we talked about this in, in the previous couple of podcasts where, where, um, where we're told in Genesis chapter 6 exactly uh, what we're seeing now and what we're discussing now. What happened in Genesis 6 is we're told, we're told that, that these intelligent creatures left their habitation and began to lust after women. What were they trying to do? We're told in Genesis 6 that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, the Ben Elohim, the sons of God, saw the daughters of men, and they took them to be wives. How did this happen? I don't know, man. I wasn't there. But the scripture says it happened. Yeah. They were they were able somehow, and I do know, but uh, at least from what it hints at, but it, it's not the proper format to discuss this because it's very dark, man. I mean, it's very very dark. 
But what we do know is that the scripture reveals to us that, that they broke through their habitation. And Enoch revealed this, uh, and, and Jude talks a little bit about how they left their habitation. And it began the process of corrupting all of humanity. Jesus says we're going to return to that, and that's what John is revealing here, is is that yes. that dream team, right, of, of wickedness broke into the earth. So it's really powerful what you shared there because that's a really cool thing. Ten generations brought about this. Here we have ten horns, you know, bringing about something. What is it that the angels were trying to do to replicate, to reproduce themselves? They they See, one of the things that is rarely ever discussed and has maybe not really been thought of a lot by a lot of pastors and stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is that, is that man, humanity is made in the image of God. We are always right. going to be a separate class. And, and the yeah. children of God are a separate class from the angelic host. But that doesn't mean that they haven't wanted to be like us. You know, they, they were limited as magnificent as they are. They are limited. They are right. the Ben Elohim. They are the sons of God. They are the morning stars, but they are not the children of the Most High God as it is now revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. For mankind is created in the image of God, meant to become a temple of God, a habitation of God by the Spirit of God with Jesus Christ as the head of his church the fullness of him that fills all in all. So when they come in, it's, it's, it's interesting how they want to reproduce. They want to, uh, to, to mingle with men, uh, women that is, and, and produce offspring. We see that in Genesis 6, and it's a great scripture you just pointed out, because the same attempt as we've been laying the foundation here is going to be made. It appears that what has been missing, or at least what has been calculated to have been missing in the mind of Satan himself, it appears, is that I need to add something to this whole thing I've been trying to do in order to produce a legitimate merging of satanic power with humanity, all focused in one vessel. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so listen. So I want to consider something else. Again, we're still talking about the ten horns. We know uh, what we've been talking about is is that the dragon is empowering all this. Satan himself is empowering all all this. But in order to to really begin to even more so talk about who these ten horns are, the ten dream teams are, I think we can see a clue in the ten. In, in in what is revealed by the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter twenty eight. So let's turn over there real quick and we'll and we'll get ready to close here. And we'll we'll pick it up again, part three. Manana, as they say. So Ezekiel twenty eight. All right, so fasten your seatbelt because this is gonna make some of you really nervous, but that's okay. That's what we that's what we get paid to do. Make you all nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. So what we know, because we want to consider something else. Remember, we're talking about 10 here. Now, what we know is this, is that the dragon is bringing this about. That's what's being revealed in Revelation 13. 
but the ten horns are going to be added to that beast system. All the systems that have come before it have failed. They made valiant attempts, if you will, but every single one of them was brought down by the power of God. But the difference now, according to Revelation chapter 12, going into Revelation chapter 13, is that the authority of the devil himself has now reached the point where he no longer has access to all the realms, to all the places where he once traversed, and the final frontier, the final boxing ring of eternity, if you will, you know, the wrestling like mat, right? It, all like of it, it has come down to the planet Earth. And so now all the forces are energizing on the Earth itself. So it's concentrated power. And what he has figured out, at least in his corrupted mind, he thinks this is how we're going to do it. It's our last stand. It's the Alamo of the devil, if you will. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like <laughs> only he, only he, Santana, and, <laughs> and he's right. going down. <laughs> so he's being surrounded, right? I mean, that's really what's happening. It's that Michael, his angels, and Jesus is on his way, man. He's coming on yeah. a white horse. Hallelujah. <laughs> he's coming. Because he himself is going to deal with this wicked one. He's going to chain him and cast him into a bottomless dimensional pit. And he's going to destroy oh, this wicked one and the beast and the false prophet into the lake of fire. But let's take a look at this because something is revealed here as in Ezekiel 28. Before he was the devil, he was known as the anointed cherub. And God begins to address him through the spirit of Christ that was speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, in verse 13? Yes. It says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Unless we don't know who he's talking about, he identifies in verse 14 by saying what, brother? Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Okay, so I want you to see what you just read there. And I, and we're going to talk about this very briefly because I know we're going long. But listen, he said here, he he begins to identify a, uh, his, his physical appearance, that is the devil, before he was the devil. He was known as the anointed cherub. And he goes through a list of precious stones. And he... He he gives that list and, and, and let's look at it, brother Jeremy. Uh yes. It, it, it's it's the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the gold, and the carbuncle. You add those up, brethren, and that comes to ten. Yes. Right. Now so <clears throat> what we are being hinted at here is that the enemy, before he was the enemy, had a covering. And those those covering, that covering was made up of ten elements. 
And, and in order to fully understand it, we need to look at the parallel in the Bible with, with someone else who had precious gems for a covering. And, and I'm going to throw this out there now. That is uh, Aaron, the high priest. Yes. Now remember, Aaron wore a breastplate uh, with precious gems on it. Only Aaron's breastplate contains 12 stones. Yes. The devil, before he was the devil, had a breastplate apparently that contained nine stones plus gold for a total of ten. Why this is significant is because it gives us a hint. If we compare scripture with scripture, the function of Aaron's breastplate, the 12 stones that covered his breastplate, was to reflect, if you will, the 12 individual tribes of Israel, the nation of God. Every stone represented a tribe. Every stone represented one of the children of Jacob. And, and, and we don't have time to get into all their names. But Aaron, as the high priest, wore this breastplate when he would minister before God in the outer court and in the holy place. It was his beautiful covering. It was his garment. And he functioned as the, as the interim or as the high priest of the nation of the children of God made up of the 12 tribes. What God is revealing here is that this being known as the enemy, also wore a breastplate. In effect, what is being told and revealed here, because it says he would present himself in the Garden of Eden, which is the, the, the habitation that God created for himself to walk upon in the ancient past when this planet, which was originally made before the original fall, it was there that God would come and walk in the in the daytime, and there we're being told that the enemy would come before he was the enemy and meet him, or also the Eden in heaven. And he comes and he presents himself, because verse 14 says he also walked up and down in what he calls the midst of the stones of fire. And so what's being revealed here, and where we can kind of get a hint, if you will, of who these ten horns are, is the fact that Satan, before he was Satan, it appears, because the way he's described, that he was the original of originals. He was, in effect, the high priest, if you will, of the Ben Elohim, of the sons of God, before there was ever humanity. An entire collection of, of beautiful created tribes, if you will, broken up into ten parts, represented by their high priest in the presence of God by the covering that he possessed over his chest, if you will. So he's representing ten specific kinds of categories. If we compare scripture with scripture now, Aaron for the children of Israel, the devil before he was the devil for the angelic hosts, they seem to be made up into uh, 10 different categories. And as the highest created being, he represented them in the presence of God as their high priest before he fell. That's why he uses this in chapter four, 28, verse 14 of Ezekiel, saying you were on the holy mountain. Read that, Brother Jeremy, verse 14. Thou, un, thou art the anointed cherub, 
that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Yes, that stones of fire, that is a really interesting phrase. And and, and we see a, a representative of it. Brother Jeremy, can you turn over there really quick in Exodus 24? Yes. Exodus 24, we're going to see a representation of what these stones of fire really are. Because the word stones is made up of two things. It's Eben Banah. Eben Banah, as it's written in Hebrew, it means to build and to build again and to keep building. So that's literally what those stones are. They're the building blocks, however that is. They are the building blocks and the substance of what God uses to make things. And they're before his throne. And we see a picture of this when Moses and the elders went up to Mount Sinai and God came down onto the mountain. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, in verse 9 and 10 of chapter 24 of Exodus? Yes. Um, then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 yes. of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were a paved work of a sapphire stone, as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. Yes. So what's revealed there and what they saw in, in front of God when he came to Mount Sinai was a paved work of sapphire stones. It's the same thing that were being revealed here only in heaven proper, uh, the stones of fire. It is the, the essence of, of the building blocks of God. They seem to be the very building blocks of God because that's what it means. And it was there that the anointed cherub had access to walk in the presence of God, wearing this 10-element breastplate as a representative, as a high priest, if you will, of all the sons of God that existed before mankind was ever made. But the fact that there's 10 of them, just like Jacob had 10 sons that made up the 12 tribes, it could possibly be that the subsequent formation of the of the of the subset of angelic hierarchy underneath the devil himself before he was the devil were made up of 10 individual principalities and powers it's a speculation but i think what we're seeing here is that's what's coming forth the heads over the 10 are now being added at the end the horns could possibly be the heads over the, the tribes of the sons of God, if you will. And it's just out there. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's a very interesting thing to consider. Go ahead, brother. No, for sure. It, 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 uh, everything's everything in heaven or everything on earth is a pattern of that in, in heaven. Yes. So it, 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 it seems to indicate that, um, by God choosing the Levites, um, I don't want to say he was choosing a replacement, but Satan forfeited something. Right? He 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 was able to to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he 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 controlled that that known world, or was given authority over it. I won't say he controlled it; he was given authority over it, and over in that was contained yeah, the contained 
the worship of, of all creation that he was supposed to give to God. So he forfeited all that. So now God is choosing a new creation, so to speak, right? Uh, 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 a new creation that could bring forth that worship for the Lord seeketh those who will worship him in spirit, spirit and in truth. And, yes. Right. In so, truth. so it, yeah. So it, it, what Je- I think, remember what Jesus said about him. He said, uh, he said he was a murderer from the beginning and, and he was, he's a liar, right? He called him right. a liar. And, and, right. and the father of it. So when he talked about worshiping in spirit and truth, he's he's really in 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 some ways hearkening back to the one who didn't, right? Because exactly. because it says iniquity was found in him. In other words, he was hiding within himself his true intent. He 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 wanted to be like God. So then, that's one way to look that, at it. And you understand now why Hebrew says things like that: we are now kings and priests. Right. Yes. So, so, right. So, yeah. It's it's it could very well be that there's that connection that these ten horns uh, that that are at the end of time uh, were under his or were given. God gave him the authority over these ten horns, and these ten horns rebelled with uh, with him with Lucifer. Right. So. Well, we know that because the incredible thought, said, right? I'm sure. Yes, and that's what Paul says, though. He says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against... He gives a category of principalities, of powers, and and then the subset under them, rulers of the darkness of the cosmos, the universe including the earth, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So we see a, 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 a stratum, if you will, a stratus, uh, a, a, a hierarchy, a... a, a it's just that's it, right? A hierarchy, a government structure that has rulership and leadership over it. And what I'm saying is he represented them all, that is the devil, and they were represented by ten elements, the ten stones, including gold, the ten elements that he wears as a breastplate. He used to walk in the stones of fire presenting himself, bringing their praises, like you said. But I see it also as a possibility this way. See, they always were meant to be who they were, but we know from before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in Christ. And so it has always been the the intention of the Heavenly Father to bring about children created in his image. It is something that the enemy and all the fallen angelic hosts couldn't reckon with in a way. They would not abide that. They left their habitation. We belong right. to him and are, and are a unique, created, adopted children of the Most High God. And he did it uh, because he wanted to have a family. You know, why do you think that the Bible reveals to us the intent for the redeemed once we receive our glorified bodies? Paul tells us, don't you know that you are going to rule angels? that you're going to judge them, that you're going to be over them. And the mystery, at least part of the mystery, has always been what the psalmist said. What is man, he said, right? That you're mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou visitest him. And then he says this, you created him a little lower than the angels. 
However, you set him over the works of your hands, almost like a foreshadow of what his ultimate destiny is going to be. There was always meant to be this beautiful family of God. It, in the right. wisdom of God, I believe he created the angelic host because they were going to be the attendants of the children of God. And the book of Hebrews reveals that. It says yes. that he makes his ministers a flame of fire, his ministering spirits, which are spirits sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation. They were always meant to be our ministers, our protectors, our attendants, if you will, at such a high level that we're talking about in the future, this is going to be, right? But in order to prevent that now, because the devil knows scripture, right? I mean, he quoted it to Jesus when he was tempting him in the wilderness, you know? He says, it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee, right? I mean, he knows scripture. Mm -hmm. The gospel's been unfolded. The commentaries have been written. The epistles have been concluded. He knows the end. He's all, he knows the book of Revelation. So what he's trying most of all now, that we've come down to the end of time, and why we see this global system beginning to emerge in our culture and in our time, and this pandemic and this global lockdown, I believe, is a signal to the children of God that we are entering those days. We have come to this place now, and these ten horns are those supreme principalities and powers, ten of them, that are now being added to a collective uh, headship that once tried to bring about global empires individually, but now collectively they will come together, unify, and these ten are going to be added to the dark energy that's bringing forth this whole system in an attempt to ultimately make their last stand on the planet. Let's finish yes. with this. In Job I have chapter, a yeah, go ahead. Turn over to Job chapter 38 while you're getting ready to ask me that question. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to quote uh, something that Ezekiel, that we read right now in, um, in Ezekiel 28, 14, when he draws our attention, when he calls him, and he says, Thou art that anointed cherub that covereth. And yes, that word anointing, yeah, it means to pour oil, but something interesting that within that mean, meaning in the Hebrew, it gives a sense of expansion, like with outstretched wings, you know, yes. covering what, 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 you, what you were just talking about. And within, you know, obviously Lucifer within uh, this cherub had the ten stones, which gives us the idea of the responsibility that he had over... I don't know, the cosmos, the world, and, 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 and over the things of God. He was anointed for that. He was, yes. he was placed to cover. To, to, and, yes. and, you know, just to add to what you were saying, brother. That's a really deep subject that, you, that you're talking about there. Because remember, when, when we see uh, in the book of Revelation, the, the four creatures, the four living beings, one has the face of a man, one has the face of an ox, one has the face of an eagle, one has the face... What's the other one? Man, ox, eagle, uh, cat. Ox. Yes. Yeah, there's ox, uh, a man, lion, an lion. eagle, and a lion. That's right. Sorry. Lion. That's well, it. There you go. It appears that originally there was five, and that's what you're that's what you're you're talking about. The original uh, creation is missing one. You know the the the, the fifth. You know that that word that you're mm. using about covering. In, 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 some scholars say. It, it it implies that he was part of the 
of the original and the still living beings, the beings that 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 wow. Isaiah, when he saw when he said they fly before the throne or they cover the throne, saying holy, holy, holy. When we see them again in the Book of Revelation, they're doing the same thing, right? They're 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 yes. they're, they're ministering to God. He's the missing part. He fell. So when you see the construction of the tabernacle in the wilderness, like as you go into the holy place, it's represented by four angels on the outside of the covering. One's missing. And the only way to get in is, is by blood because something happened. But that's for another day. Okay, so let's get oh, to <laughs> But that's a good point. So get, get to uh, Job chapter 38. And I want to show you something really cool there. Uh, are you there? Yes. All right. In mind with what we're talking about here, Remember, the whole story of Job is is about the devil himself uh, taking a note of Job and 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 attacking him and trying to bring him down. And and the story basically Job not knowing what the heck's going on, right? I mean, why am I going through all this? And then God shows up in chapter thirty eight and begins to reveal to him the source of the attack of uh, on his life, and and he begins to talk to him about the origin of that attack. Uh, having its roots, or the one who attacked him having its his roots in the dateless past. And that's why he asks Job in chapter 38, verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Who is measured, uh, uh, who laid the measures thereof, if you know, Job, or who has stretched the line upon it? Where are the foundations fastened? Or who laid what? The cornerstone thereof. And then he says this. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So he's revealing to Job that the planet had its origin in the dateless past way before there was ever a man. And then he reveals to us that when the planet was created, two classes of of being, if you will, known as morning stars and the others as the sons of God, collectively they begin to shout because it was going to <laughs> it was going to be their home in a way. You know, the devil we know in Isaiah 14 when he initiated rebellion ascended from the earth into heaven to the sides of the congregation of the mounts of the north. What God is revealing to Job here is, is, that, is that there were beings here before you, Job, and that's who you're dealing with, right? And he goes on to reveal their structure, their hierarchy. Now, he says something really interesting to him in verse 16. Uh, 16. I'm sorry, uh, verse 18. Uh, he says, well, let's start with verse 17. Job 38, 17, and we're, and we're bringing it to a close now. Listen, are you there? He says, yes, uh, yes. have the gates of death been opened to you, Job? Or has you seen the doors of the shadow of death? And then he says this, have you perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare it if you know it all. What he's literally saying is, do you know the depth? the breadth of the earth, not just the geographical territory. He's talking much deeper here. He's talking about, do you realize what's actually happening on this planet? Do you understand the breadth and the scope of it? Of course he didn't, but God is revealing. 
far more greater things are being played out here, Joe. And what you're going through is all part of it. But I'm going to deliver you from it. So so what's happening here is that is that what we're beginning to see in these ten horns is their origin is directly connected. They're like the supreme council, if you will, of the satanic courtroom. Satan is the chief. The ten are like Brother Fernando called them earlier, the dream team of darkness, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're coming, man. Uh, and, 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 and they're going to energize this, this once separate seven-headed global entity uh, that has manifested itself throughout human history only to reemerge now in our time. That's why we see this whole push towards globalism. Only this time, uh, the, the dream team of darkness is going to be added to it, and soon they will receive crown. The result is going to be that wicked one is going to be produced, the Antichrist, the one that will be set to to rule over humanity in the name of his father, the devil. They're going to try and make their last stand in a futile attempt, I think, to overthrow of course, <laughs> a futile attempt to overthrow the king of glory. But they're going to ultimately fail. And then tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll, we'll pick it up from here. We're going we're gonna to examine, by God's grace, I hope, how, how they're going to attempt to take material form. Because that's what they're going to do. How are they going to do it? Because remember, they start as an energized council of 10, then crowns will be given to them. They will manifest themselves in the earth and there's going to be, they're going to do something. They're going to attempt to take material form. And if we have the time tomorrow, we're going to see the, the connection of fallen humanity in, 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 in assisting them to take form. It will all be headed by the man-beast by the by the antichrist but it's going to utterly fail because revelation 7 to 14 says that they're going to make war with the lamb that is the second coming of the lord they're going to try and turn on him but he shall utterly destroy them for he is the king of kings he is the lord of lords and he alone is the rightful heir of all things soon and very soon like the old song said right we're going to see the yeah. king would yeah. you guys close Amen. Yeah. Um, wow. It's a lot of, I know for a lot of uh, listeners, this is probably something you're hearing for the first time. And uh, amongst ourselves, Pastor Jeremy, Brother Marta, we've, we've had conversations about these things. And, and you know, it's what the Bible is giving us insight to. The whole book of Job is a revelation into the unseen world, right, that that God is trying to communicate to Job that like brother Marty said he's, he's letting Job know there's there's things that are taking place that that are far beyond the eye can see you know the natural eye and and I know it might feel we made some statements and and maybe went to the scripture and brought out some truths that you probably hadn't seen you're probably like what wait wait a minute what did you say <laughs> you know but <laughs> and it feels like we left a lot of loose ends untied but I challenge you to uh, follow us tomorrow on the podcast. We're going to begin to tie these uh, these these loose ends, right? We're gonna we're gonna with scripture, with scripture, yeah. so they can 
so that so you can understand what what the Lord is saying. Okay, this is this is where the Lord took His servants, the prophets. He took them to these realms to behold wondrous things. You know, out of His Word, He took Isaiah in chapter six, right? He took them to to the, His very throne room, and, and He saw the Lord high and lifted up. So God is is wanting us to come up. Right? He's wanting us, he's wanting to elevate us, right? Uh, and, and in Matthew 24, the Bible says that they went on to the, to the mountaintop of the Mount of Olives, and there the Lord began to privately reveal unto his disciples uh, the things that pertain to the end of time. I believe the Lord is wanting to do the same thing with his church today. He's yeah. wanting to elevate us, take us to the Mount of Olives, which is the Mount of of, of where, where the oil comes from, right? The revelation, that's where we get yeah. the oil from, from olives. So this is what God is doing. And it's going to challenge many of your, uh, many of your uh, people's theology, the way they've classically believed uh, uh, some of the things that have been taught concerning the end times. Um, but I believe that what we're doing is, is bringing uh, the word of God and, and, and backing up, uh, what we're saying. And again, this is what the apostle was meaning to tell us in, in Ephesians chapter 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, the rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. If you are unaware of the enemy's strategy, you are in a hard place. You're not going to understand the war we are in. We are in a world. Don't 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 be fooled. We are. There's more than meets the eyes than just this natural world. Yes. Amen. We are yes. in a war. Remember what the Book of Revelation says. They will make war against the Lamb. Yes. Okay. The world is. The world knows it's in a war, or will know it's in a war. How much more us? who have insight into the deep things of God. We should know what's coming. We should know what we're in. Amen. So this is exciting. I challenge you again to uh, to listen to tomorrow's podcast, Lord willing, and, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, tie some of these, uh, you know, ends that seem to be, uh, you know, loose, at least right now, and, and it'll make more sense, and, and it'll bless you. Amen. You know, and, and also to our listeners to understand that, uh, as this is more than just a cool word, man. That's pretty awesome, brother Marty. I've never seen it like that. It, it's it's more than that. Yeah. What I believe, in, and listen to what I'm going to tell you, this word that you're hearing, God is using it to bring a shaking to shake us up. You know, Hebrews in in Hebrews 12. That's what he's talking about. That everything that can be shaken will be shaken. You know. So yeah. that what cannot be shaken shall remain. The only thing that shall remain in this hour is his word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word remaineth. So these, this is yeah. more than just a cool discovery. No, no, no. God is speaking through these deep things to shake us, to cause us, to cause us to understand, to cause us to seek, to cause us to go after him in this hour. We pray that you've been blessed as we have been blessed. I mean, I've been like a kid in a candy store, just learning and wanting to know more of the deeper things of God. And uh, we pray that you also have been blessed 
And yes, join us tomorrow. And and if you can, always pass these. Uh, I mean, excuse me, share these podcasts with others, with friends, with people that you know. And that that's that's all you can do is just give it to them. And what they do after, you know, the Holy Spirit will take care of it. But you continue to share it and tell others. And we look forward to having you tomorrow. And as always, keep looking up.